Amen, amen. Well, go ahead and grab a seat. And as you do, grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. This morning, Mark chapter 4, we're going to be finishing up our series we've been calling Vitals, uh, the source and signs of a healthy life with Jesus. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black one somewhere right around you. That's our gift to you. Grab that. Uh, turn to Mark chapter 4 with me. And as you do, I want to show you uh, three pictures here, and I want to see if you can kind of uh, come up with a common theme and common thread uh, through each of these pictures. And so uh, here's picture number one, beautiful home, picture number two, and then picture number three. Okay, any guesses, common theme, common thread in these pictures? Anybody? Garages, yeah. Uh, so three garages. Anybody know the significance of these three garages? So out of these three garages, uh, three companies were born that I'm sure probably need no introduction and have deeply impacted the world in, in tremendous ways. And so picture number one uh, is where Apple started. Apple started out of this garage. The first Mac computers were made out of this garage. Number two uh, is Disney. So uh, Alice in Wonderland was actually written within this garage, which might explain why it's so funky and weird. Uh, and then number three, uh, Google was actually birthed out of this garage. And so three pictures that represent uh, companies that have had tremendous and massive impact on the world in which we live today. And now I, I want to show you a fourth picture. You recognize this place? The reality this morning is this, that the group of people meeting inside this building can have a greater impact on the world than any of those three companies. The reality for us to understand this morning is that while those companies have impacted the world in significant ways, this group of people is part of a worldwide movement called the church that has been called to multiply, not just for the sake of impacting the world, but for transforming and changing the world. Amen? We have a message far greater and far more transforming than Apple, Disney, or Google could ever hope to communicate. This morning, as we walk through Mark chapter 4 together, we're going to see God's plan to change the world. And I truly believe that this group of people can be part of God's transforming mission to change the world that we live in. And so Mark chapter 4, we're going to be looking today at a parable of Jesus. Uh, the, the context here is Jesus has begun his earthly ministry. He's teaching. He's doing miracles. He's gathered his disciples together here in Mark chapter 4 for a time of teaching, and he teaches them specifically through these parables. And if you're new to the Bible at all, a parable is just a story that Jesus would tell to communicate and illustrate a truth. The, the, literally, the, the definition of parable is to cast alongside of. So think there's truth over here, and Jesus is telling a story that, that is teaching us something about a truth, something that he's trying to communicate. And so here we're going to see a story, a parable that Jesus communicates. And this morning, as we walk through this, we're going to walk through a parable together. We're going to look at what does this parable mean? And then we're going to talk about three implications for us. We're going to look at the point of the parable. And then we're going to talk about number one, what does this mean for me? And what does this mean for us as a church? Implication number two will be why would we ever live that way? 
And then the, the third thing we're going to wrestle with is how, and we're actually going to see the how this morning is just a prayer. We're going to look at the point of the parable, the what, what does this mean for me? The why, why would we live this way? And then the how is going to be a prayer that I believe God is calling us as a church to rally around together. And so I'm excited about what the Lord has in store for us. I believe we're going to see this morning that God really does have a plan to change and transform the world. And he's inviting you and I to be a part of his world-changing mission. And so let me pray for us. We're going to dive into Mark chapter 4 together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much just for uh, time again this morning that we get to open your word, that we get to sit at your feet. Um, God, and it's in these times that you draw near to us, we draw near to you, and um, there's this sweet fellowship, this sweet communion that we have with you. And so I just thank you and praise you for the work that you do, for the ways that our hearts are built up and encouraged and challenged as we just open your word, we preach your word, and God, we just trust you with the rest. And so, Holy Spirit, just come and move in our midst now. Uh, let me get out of the way. Would you get glory and honor now as your word is preached? And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 26 together. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, Jesus, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So there's our parable. There's our story. We're going to walk through this together. And if we go back to the beginning of this story in verse 36, Jesus is teaching here and he says, the kingdom of God is as if. And so when we start this parable, we see Jesus is about to teach his disciples. He's about to teach us something about the nature of the kingdom of God. And so if we're going to understand the point of the parable, we've got to understand what is the kingdom of God. And and The reality is we could spend a whole message talking about what the kingdom of God is, the implications of the kingdom of God for our life. It's a phrase that you'll see very often in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus uses this often to refer to the work that he's doing. And so um, we're not going to spend the whole message talking about this. We're going to really quickly try to summarize what is the kingdom of God. And so as, as, as we're thinking about what is the kingdom of God, think the rule and reign of God. The kingdom of God, think the rule and reign of God, the lordship of God, the power of God over his people who've surrendered their lives to him as Lord and Savior. And so this parable is going to teach us something about the kingdom of God, about the rule and reign, the power of God in our lives and in the world around us. And so now the question is, what? What is this parable? What is this story that Jesus just taught? What is this teaching us about the rule and the reign of God? So let's look back at this story. So the the kingdom of God is as if, and now we have this story, this man goes and scatters seed. And so you can picture this guy, he he goes and he he picks up seed. And what we don't know is if if he very intentionally planted the seed or if he's just throwing it. but, But however he did it, this man grabs some seed and he starts to scatter seed. And then what's he do after that? Not much. It says he sleeps, he rises night and day, he sleeps, he rises, he goes throughout his day, he sleeps, he rises, he goes throughout his day. And as he's doing that, guess what starts to happen? The seed that he scattered is now beginning to grow. 
There, there's some things happening with this, with this seed. The only work that the man does is scatter the seed. The story doesn't tell us, it doesn't clarify if he goes back and, you know, if, he's, if, he, if he planted seed in, in, in a bed and, uh, and he's going and he picks the weed out of the, the bed next to his home and maybe he's, um, you know, fertilizing the seed. We don't know. All it says is he plants the seed, night, day, sleeps, rises over and over again. And as he does, just goes throughout his day, the seed begins to grow. Verse 28 tells us the earth does it by itself. It even says the man doesn't know how, but over time, the seed becomes a full harvest. It starts with a blade, then the ear, then the full grain of the ear, resulting eventually in a harvest. So we get the story. So now, again, what does this teach us about the kingdom of God? We've established this already, but what part does the man play in the eventual harvest that comes from the seed? All he did was faithfully scatter seed. All he did was faithfully plant seed. The earth took care of everything else. He was just faithful to scatter seed. The success or failure of the growth and the harvest of those seeds was not up to the man, but it was up to the earth. And, and this is still true today. With all of our technological advancements, I was talking to a friend back in Crawfordsville this week who is a farmer, works in the farming industry. His family owns a lot of land. And he said the farming industry this year could, use, could lose billions of dollars because of how wet it's been this year. They can't put seed in the ground. Now with seed being put in the ground later, harvest will come later. The chances of frost destroying the harvest greatly increases, leading to billions of dollars lost. With all of our technological advancements, guess what? farmers still depend upon? The earth. There's still so much out of our control when it comes to planting and farming. All the man did in the story was faithfully plant the seeds and the earth took care of the rest. So what's the point of the parable? We've got to realize this morning that in this story, we are like the man and the Lord is like the earth. We are like the man in the story and the Lord is like the earth. The point of the parable is this. Faithfully plant gospel seeds and God will do the rest. The point of the parable is faithfully plant gospel seeds and God will do the rest. In the kingdom of God, what is our role? As, as Jesus followers, as sons and daughters of the most high God, what are we called to do? Faithfully plant gospel seeds. And God will take care of the rest. Notice our role is not to bring about the harvest. Our role is not to bring about the success of those seeds. Our role is just to plant gospel seeds. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says it this way. He says, what then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. And then listen here. I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the growth? God but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only who? God who gives the growth. Paul says, yeah, I may have planted the seed. Apollos may have come along and watered the seed, but it was the Lord himself who gave the growth. Paul makes it very clear whether it's Paul, whether it's Apollos, whether it's one of us. Our role is simply just to plant gospel seeds. And the success or failure of that, the growth of those seeds, that is up to the Lord. And he will bring about the harvest in his time and in his way. 
God is calling you and I to faithfully scatter gospel seeds. And this is really important for us to understand because we live in a culture that is obsessed with success and we often define success by numbers, by instant growth, by impact as we see it and as we define it. And here, if, if you look at this story, the success wasn't overnight. The success was over time. And the success, the hero of the story, the man, all he did was plant gospel seeds. Success in God's kingdom is defined as faithfulness. Not numbers, not bigger buildings, not more people, not more disciples made. Success is defined as faithfulness. Faithfully scattering and planting gospel seeds. And so we see here the point of the parable, faithfully plant gospel seeds and God will do the rest. But I think it's important for us to ask, what in the world does it mean to plant gospel seeds? I mean, that's kind of abstract. That's not really concrete. Uh, you can't just jump onto Amazon and be like, gospel seeds, <laughs> order 10 of those. And that's, that's not how this works. What does it mean to plant gospel seeds? We're going to look at what it means for us individually. And then we're going to look at what it means for us as a church as a whole. But individually, what does it mean to plant gospel seeds? It means disciples multiplying disciples. We get the point of the parable, the what. What does this mean? What does this mean for me? Individually, it means disciples multiplying disciples. It means proclaiming the gospel with our lips through evangelism and our lives through making disciples. It's gospel declaration and it's gospel demonstration. It's showing and telling the gospel. It's listen to the last two weeks of the messages that we preached here in the vital series. It's go and share Jesus with those around you in whatever sphere of influence God has called you to. And then go and make disciples. Pour your life out for the sake of helping others love Jesus better and follow him more faithfully. And so what does it mean to, to plant gospel seeds? When you share Jesus with a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, gospel seeds are planted. And the success or failure of that sharing is not up to you. All God calls you to do is be faithful to share Jesus. And as you do, gospel seeds are planted. When you meet up with a friend and, and you study the word together and you pray together, gospel seeds are planted. When you gather as a small group week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, gospel seeds are planted. When you have a couple over for dinner and you're just, you're sitting there and you're talking and you're just enjoying good food and good friends and, and, and within the conversation it comes up, hey, what's, what's the Lord doing in your life? And you just share and maybe it's, it's great victories that you've had, maybe it's struggles you've had, gospel seeds are planted in those conversations. Maybe it's a, a hurting friend of yours that you know is struggling and you invite that friend over and you have a, a time just to pray over that friend. Gospel seeds are planted. On and on and on we could go. What does it mean for us to faithfully plant gospel seeds? It means to share the gospel with our lips and with our lives. Evangelism and discipleship is the way that you and I faithfully plant gospel seeds. And so we won't spend much more time talking specifically about disciples, multiplying disciples, because if you weren't here last week, go back, listen to that message. We really uh, spent a lot of time diving into God's call for us to be disciple makers. And so for the rest of our time this morning, we want to focus on the implications of us being faithfully, uh, uh, to be faithful gospel seed planters, not just for us individually, but for us as a church. 
What does this look like for us as a church, as Harvest Indie South? How are we called to faithfully plant gospel seeds? I would say that as disciples multiply disciples, we zoom out from that a little bit. The result of that, what it will lead to is churches multiplying churches. Disciples multiplying disciples, followers of Jesus, sharing the gospel with those around them, friends, coworkers, neighbors, um, seeing some of those people come to know Jesus, and then we make disciples, and we pour our lives into them, and then they go, and they do the same thing, and, and disciples are being multiplied. As that happens, churches are multiplied. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about the implications of What does it mean that churches are multiplied and how is God calling us in this room to be a part of multiplying churches? If you've been around Harvest at all, you've probably heard us talk about churches multiplying churches, that we want to be a church that starts churches and that those churches have a deep conviction, a deep passion to start churches. And those churches that are planted and multiplied out of those churches, then they have a deep conviction and passion to start churches. And on and on and on it goes. Now, some of you are in this room, you're like, yeah, we're all for that. Some of you are going, uh, I don't know. But I think before we just talk about the what, sometimes we, we stop at the what. And we stop and we just go, yeah, we want to be a church that plants churches. Woo! And then we see the mountain in front of us and we just go like, let's charge the mountain. But we've got to get a level underneath the what to the why. We've got to make sure we understand why. Why has God called us to do this? And this is so important in our our lives as Jesus followers in general. If we just stop at the what, the what can very turn into legalism. Very easily it can turn into legalism. Check the box, plant a church, make disciples, spend time in the word, all these things. Check the box, check the box, and now I have favor with God. We've got to get a level underneath the what to the why and see the heart behind why is God calling us not just to be disciples who multiply disciples, but why is God calling us as Harvest Indy South to be a church who multiplies churches? And so we're going to look at three reasons why God is calling us to be a church who multiplies churches. And, and, and I think for some of us, we need to wrestle with why because if we're honest, um, multiplying churches maybe seems uh, more difficult. It maybe doesn't really make sense because you think, man, I mean, we got a big church here. We're in the process of building a building. Um, maybe you drove in and you saw there's actually dirt moving out there. Woo! Uh, and you're going, man, I think we have enough on our plate. Let's not worry about starting more churches. Let's try to make sure we're healthy here. Maybe you're sitting there and you're going, hey, starting churches is great, but that's going to cost money. And why would we send money outside of the four walls when we have plenty of ministry that we can pour money into within the four walls? Maybe some of you are wrestling with, yeah, I think I get multiplying churches, but doesn't that mean we're going to send out some of our best people? Doesn't that mean that some of my best friends are going to go? If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've sent out Dan and Robin Parrott to Denver. This is their first official weekend there on staff. We're so grateful for them. But Dan and Robin were a couple who'd been here since the beginning. They were instrumental. God used them to bring about what we see at Harvest today. And that hurt to send them out. Why would we do that? Why would we pursue that? That's why we've got to understand the why. Because if we're not careful, we can just drift into self-protection mode instead of being open-handed like God has called us to be. And so three reasons why God has called us to be a church multiplying church. And so number one is this. Multiplication has always been the heartbeat of God. 
Number one, one reason why multiplication has always been the heartbeat of God. From Genesis to Revelation, a major thread throughout the scriptures is the multiplication of God's glory and God's goodness throughout the ends of the earth. From Genesis to Revelation, we see consistently this heartbeat of God. And now some of you might be sitting out there and you're thinking, that's a bold claim. Back it up. I will. Very quickly. Uh, We're going to move this along, but we're going to do a very fast flyby, a very quick biblical overview of God's heartbeat for multiplication. And it starts in Genesis 1. Uh, This is the creation account, God creating all things. On the sixth day, he creates mankind. And here's what he says, Genesis 1, starting in verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and what? Be fruitful and what? Multiply and fill the earth. Now, growing up for me in church world, I always heard this as this just means procreate, make more humans. And while that's part of multiplying and filling the earth, there's much more at stake than just more humans across the earth. God's heart in be fruitful and multiply was that you see in verse 27, he created man in his own what? God's heart in the multiplication of people across the world was that his image, his glory, his goodness would fill the earth, that it would be multiplied throughout the earth. The first command he ever gave Adam and Eve was be fruitful and multiply for the purpose of my glory and my goodness filling the earth. And if you know the story of the Bible at all, it doesn't take long for Adam and Eve to not follow the ways of the Lord. And so sin creeps in, there's rebellion against God, and now instead of God's glory and goodness being multiplied throughout the earth, sin is multiplied throughout the earth. And God gets to a point where he says, I, I, essentially I have to start over. And so he sends this flood, wipes out humanity except one family. In his goodness and grace, he saves the family of Noah. And the first thing he tells Noah and his family as they step off the ark is in Genesis 9. He says, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The same thing he told Adam and Eve, he tells here to Noah. Hey, you and your family, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And again, this is more than just humans filling the earth. This is about God's image and his glory infiltrating to the ends of the world. A couple chapters later, we see God approaches a man named Abraham and makes a massive promise that has huge implications for the rest of the story of Scripture. And so God approaches Abraham in Genesis 12, and he says this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God blessed Abraham so that he would not just bless his own family, but that all the families of the earth would be blessed. And out of Abraham, God is going to make a nation, and and God is going to bless that nation of Israel, and he does that for the purpose of that nation blessing all the other nations of the earth. Ultimately, God is about the blessing of his glory and goodness being multiplied and spreading through Abraham and his people Israel. 
God blessed Adam, God blessed Noah, God blessed Abraham, God blessed Israel for the purpose of multiplying his glory and goodness throughout the globe. And the rest of the Old Testament is essentially the stories of some highs and a lot of lows of the people of Israel trying to carry out the mission to go and bless the nations. But this isn't just an Old Testament thing. We see God's heartbeat for multiplication in the New Testament as well. Look at Matthew 28, and this is a passage we're familiar with. We walked through this last week. Um, But God says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of what? All nations. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God's last, Jesus' last command before he leaves earth is go and multiply disciples across the nations. And in Acts, we see a brilliant case study of the disciples following the ways and the command of Jesus. And look at how often, and this isn't even all of them, but look at how often we see multiplication and increase happening in the book of Acts. And the word of God continued to what? Increase. And the number of the disciples what? Come on now. The number of disciples what? multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Acts chapter 9. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. Next slide, if we can. Here we go. Acts chapter 9. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It what? Multiplied. Acts chapter 12. But the word of God increased in what? Multiplied. Acts chapter 13. And the word of God was what? spreading throughout the whole region. God is doing a work, and when God is on the move, his message doesn't just add, it multiplies. God's heartbeat from Genesis through Acts is the multiplication of his glory and goodness to the ends of the earth. But I believe it doesn't just stop at Acts. It continues through Revelation. Because the reality is this, the story of God starts with the command of God to multiply his goodness and glory. And the story of God ends with God's glory and goodness reverberating and multiplying throughout all eternity as the worship of God never ceases. Revelation 7 says it this way, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. From Genesis through the rest of eternity, the glory and goodness of God will be multiplied throughout eternity and all time. And God is calling us to be a part of that mission now. It has been and continues to be the heartbeat of God that his glory and goodness is multiplied across the earth. And God is inviting us to join him in the mission to carry the gospel, to faithfully plant gospel seeds for the glory and goodness of God to spread throughout the earth. Why be a church that multiplies churches? Why? Number one, because multiplication has always been the heartbeat of God. Number two, Why be a church multiplying church? Because the need is great for multiplication. Number two is the need is great for multiplication. The need for disciples who make more disciples leading to churches who start more churches is massive. 
And let's start maybe from more of a, a global perspective as we think through this. Um, close to three billion people remain unreached with the gospel of Jesus. And, and, and what that means is not just that um, they've heard it, but they just haven't believed in it. Uh, unreached people groups are defined as those who've never heard of the gospel of Jesus. Never once have they heard of the goodness and the message of Jesus Christ. Close to 3 billion people. Now the danger with statistics and is it can just become a number that doesn't really move us. And so, um, so I, I want us to be careful of just going, oh yeah, 3 billion, that's a lot. But, but think of faces. Think of family and friends. And if it was your own family and friends who had never even heard of the gospel of Jesus, what would we do to make sure that they heard? Almost 3 billion people have never heard the gospel of Jesus. Thousands of people groups have never heard the gospel of Jesus. In America specifically, we've seen the rise of what, uh, what is called the nuns. Um, you can see on the chart behind me, the meaning of this would be the rise of those who would claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. Um, and you can see a lot of different lines, but kind of this middle green line that you see increasing pretty rapidly over the last 20 years to the point where now almost 25% of the population in America would claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. The rise of the nuns. Almost one in four people. Look around you. Look at your row. One in four people would claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. The need is great. In 2015, Barna, a research group, conducted a study, and they found that only 46% of Americans attended church in the last six months. Now, what we don't know in this study is if if that was once in the last six months, uh, if that was every week in the last six months, or maybe somewhere in between, but 46% of Americans. Now, that number is down 12% from just 15 years ago. In 2000, 58% of people would have said, I attended church once within the last six months. That's a massive decrease of people, and that means over half of Americans have not attended church within the last six months. The need is great. And I don't think we need convincing that the world is seemingly as broken as ever. Uh, There's mass shootings and killings. In fact, another one this week. There's corrupt governments. Family structures are crumbling. The moral fabric of our culture seems to be falling apart. Things are celebrated openly and passionately in our culture that God's heart is broken over. The need is great. And you and I as gospel carriers carry the message of hope to a lost and broken world. How could we not say, God, send us out of these four walls to carry the message that will actually bring healing, that will actually bring hope, that will actually bring restoration? How could we not say, God, let's multiply churches so that people can experience your glory and goodness? The need is tremendous. The need is massive. And so we just believe we can't not be a multiplying church. We can't be a church that's just, hey, yeah, we got us inside these four walls. God has called us to something way greater than just caring for these people. We have the message of hope, the only message that will save and redeem and restore How could we not go and carry it to a lost and broken world? Three reasons why we're a church multiplying church. Number one, multiplication has always been the heartbeat of God. Number two, the need is great for multiplication. And then number three, kingdom impact is multiplied. Kingdom impact is multiplied. 
God has called us to plant gospel seeds here, near, and far. And for us as a church, uh, you've probably heard us talk about that over even the last uh, month or so. And if you've been around for the last couple years, you know that uh, we believe God has called us to plant churches uh, here in the greater Indianapolis area, um, around the United States, and then around the globe. And we want to be a part of that. But let's just focus on, on here for now, kind of the, the maybe even just the south side. Uh, you'll see in this picture, if you drop a pin in the Greenwood Park Mall, uh, and do 10 square miles around the Greenwood Park Mall. There's over 400,000 people uh, located within 10 square miles of the Greenwood Park Mall. And we believe that God has called us to be part of uh, his church reaching the south side. And we know for us, we can't personally do that, but we're part of the Capital C Church, amen? And there's many churches on the south side. There's many churches in the Indianapolis area who are doing a great gospel work and God is using to be part of making disciples here on the south side. And so we're grateful just to be a part of that group of churches. We're grateful. But we believe God has called us to be a part of reaching the south side, of reaching these 400,000 people. And so as we think through how do we go about reaching this massive number of people, uh, there's kind of two different ways we can think through this, two different buckets uh, that, that we can kind of put this in. And so you'll see here, I would call the, the first approach that we could take as we try to pursue reaching the south side with the gospel, faithfully planting gospel seeds. Um, I would call this a regional church. And you can see here on this next slide, uh, this would be, we kind of have our building um, and we reach the south side through addition. And that means we, we add more seats, we add more services, we do whatever we can to get more people through the doors and in the building. And that's not wrong, bad, it's, it's an approach we could take. We could try to reach the south side through addition and just get as many people as we possibly can through the doors. But what if gaining in the kingdom of God is not primarily through addition, but it's actually through sending out? What if gaining in the kingdom of God is not primarily through addition, but it's actually through subtraction? And here's what I mean by that. You'll see in this next picture, uh, this, the idea here would be a multiplying church. This is a church that is going to reach the south side through multiplication. And what that means is that um, we're actually going to lose people sometimes. Because uh, what will happen is we become a church where disciples are being multiplied. All of a sudden, we're going to look, say, in, in Franklin Township. Or we're going to look in Greensburg. Or we're going to look in Mooresville. Or we're going to see maybe in the Center Grove area. We're seeing, man, there's a lot of disciples who are, who are pouring into each other. And there's people coming to know Jesus. And, and they're being discipled. And then they're going and making more disciples. And, and you know what? I, I, I think God is calling a group from Harvest Indy South to go be a part of starting a church. Yeah, maybe it's 20 minutes outside of our door to the front of that church. But we believe that actually kingdom impact can be multiplied as we start churches because this is not about building this castle. This is about building the kingdom. Amen? We want to see the south side reached. And we just believe that we're actually going to see kingdom impact multiplied, not as we add to our numbers, but as we actually send out and, and subtract in some ways. How awesome would it be the first Sunday that we get to send out 50 people from here to go start a church in a community around us, and we celebrate with joy as our attendance drops by 50? Why? Because we know and we believe that gaining in the kingdom of God is not about addition, but sometimes it's about subtraction. Gaining in the kingdom of God sometimes is about sending, not keeping. And we really believe kingdom impact is multiplied 
as we plant churches. Why start churches that start more churches that start more churches? Why do we do this? It's the heartbeat of God. The need is great. And kingdom impact is multiplied. And we're convictional about being a multiplying church. And so we've looked at the, the whole point of this parable is faithfully plant gospel seeds. How do we do that? We become disciples who multiply disciples. We share the gospel. We make disciples. As that happens, churches are multiplied. We, we just looked at three reasons why we multiply churches. And now as we finish up this morning, I want to wrestle with how. How do we even begin to do this? I mean, it seems daunting, and maybe you're sitting out here and thinking, okay, this sounds great, but where do we even start, and how do I, how can I be a, a part of this? I just want to give us one practical thing as we finish. Because again, as we remember, God has called us to faithfully plant gospel seeds. This means we make disciples, we share the gospel, we pour our lives out. As we do, we become a church who multiplies. God's glory is multiplied throughout the earth. But this happens with prayer first. Not with a plan first, but with prayer. Not with a process first, but with prayer. Not with a playbook first, but with prayer. Not with a place first, but with prayer. Prayer has to lead the way. If we're going to be disciples who multiply disciples, and if we're going to be a church who multiplies church, it's got to be prayer that leads the charge for us. And so I want to leave us with a simple prayer that we take not just out of this message, but out of the vitals series overall. What's one practical step we can take? I would encourage us to be a church, to be a people who begins to pray this prayer, and it's this. God, I will do whatever, wherever, whenever, among whomever, for the multiplication of your glory. As we realize God has called us to faithfully plant gospel seeds, and we realize that that means that, that I share the gospel, I do everything I can to make disciples, and then our church becomes a church that multiplies churches, and we do this because it's been the heartbeat of God. The need is great as we look at the world around us, and we really believe kingdom impact is multiplied. As we begin to see this, the prayer that is going to uh, uh, fuel the engine of this will be a prayer that lays its yes on the table and says, God, I will do whatever. I will go wherever. I'll go whenever, among whomever, for the multiplication of your glory. And to be totally honest, the prayer for me is not God I will, but God help me. Because I don't think I'm here yet. I think there's some things that God could call me to do that I would say, uh, there's some places God would call me to go as I think about bringing my wife and two boys. I would say, Oh, I don't know. As we think about becoming a church, that, and we've talked about this, we want to start a church in the inner city. I'll be honest, if God calls us to go to the inner city, that, that would be a struggle. Initially, it would be a no. And some of you are thinking like, uh-oh, God's going to call you. He might. But as I think about moving my wife and two boys into a really dangerous neighborhood, uh, a massive portion of the 3 billion unreached people groups is in the 1040 window. Uh, part of the challenge with the 1040 window is it's very dangerous. What if God called me to, to move my wife and kids to be a part of sharing the gospel, to be a part of making disciples inside that 1040 window somewhere? 
Uh, let's get even closer in proximity. I have a hard time just going across the street to my stinking neighbors and sharing the gospel. Some, for some of us, maybe that's the no. It's going, God, I'll go wherever. Africa sounds great, but I'm not going across Barrington Drive. No way. For those of us this morning in this room, Jesus followers, we must begin to pray this prayer. God, I will do whatever. I will go wherever. I'll go whenever, and I'll go among whomever for the multiplication of your glory. God, make us a church full of people who say, when you call, I will go. Wherever that is, whatever that is, when God calls, we will go. And so I would encourage us as we close up our vital series and coming out of today, as we realize we want to be a church who multiplies churches, begin to pray that prayer fervently. Begin to ask the Lord, God, help me become a man or a woman who when you call, I say yes. And it doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter among who that is, I will go. That might be across the street, it might be across the world, but God, let us be a people who when he calls, we go. Because we know that all God, called, all God has called us to do as Jesus followers is faithfully plant gospel seeds. To share the gospel, to make disciples, to become a church who starts churches, who have a deep conviction to start churches. And I really believe as that happens, this group of people can be part of God's plan to change and transform the world with the hope and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this week, let's ask the Lord and let's pray, God, make us a people who just say yes, regardless. And so let me pray for us as we close our time together this morning. Father, we thank you and we praise you for just your word and for the ways that it challenges us, it, it encourages us, it um, pierces our hearts, it pierces our souls. And God, I know for me that the challenge this week has been in thinking through, I, I, I'm all for planting gospel seeds. God, I want to be faithful to do that. But sometimes in the day in and day out routine of that, it can get difficult, it can get hard. There's, there's places you would call me, there's things you would call me to do, God, that quite honestly in my hearts are just, in my heart, they're just no's. And so I pray, God, that we would become a church that is passionately committed to multiplying churches, not because we're trying to build our name, but because we're trying to be a part of you building your kingdom. And we realize that as churches are multiplied, God, more and more seeds for the gospel can be scattered and planted. And how those come about to a harvest, you'll control that, God. But, but just let us be a church that is faithfully committed to seeing your gospel go forth. Let us be a people, God, who just lays our yes on the table and we say, God, wherever, whenever, whatever, among whomever, I will go. God, make us a people deeply committed to the multiplication of your glory and your goodness across the globe. And so, God, we ask this, we pray this in the strong and powerful and beautiful name of Jesus.